I think it would defy, defy any workman today to produce the like of it from one solid lump of gold. There were no joints, no welds, no various parts that were assembled and put together. It was beaten out or hammered by the workman from one solid talent of gold. It was undoubtedly a masterpiece. Now, no doubt gold is somewhat pliable as a metal. It would be easier to work with than some other harder metals. Nevertheless, it doesn't take away from the skill that is demanded. Now, the special message of this Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and today we're turning to Exodus to the marvelous uh, illustration of the lampstand in the tabernacle. It is rich in meaning, and I trust that today that it will bless our souls as we look at this item of uh, furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle from the book of Exodus. And I will have some singing from our church here in Cloverdale as we go through the program here today. Firstly, let's read the passage, Exodus 25, verse 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shalt the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds, with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like unto almonds in the other branch. With a knop and a flower, so in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds, with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same, and it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. Now, we enter reading there, but this is the marvel and the mystery of the golden candlestick, that the goldsmith was to form this from one solid block of gold. It was a talent in weight, and he was to beat it uh, and form it as one whole lump. And herein is a wonderful type of the picture of the church, where you have the Lord Jesus as the very shaft of the candlestick with the branches. And the Lord Jesus is central, of course, but we are united to him, and in the eternal plan of God, he united his people to his Son in a marvelous, wonderful way. And that's our message today, and I trust the Lord will bless you as we let the Bible speak from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. And of course, at the end of the program, we'll have announcements for you. I trust you will stay tuned. And the Lord will minister to you.
to pray a moment, please. Father, we rejoice today in the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Lord, lead us deeper. Lead us further. Lord, let us learn again the depth, the breadth, the height, the wonder of the gospel. Lord, I pray that we will leave this meeting today amazed at the grace of our Lord Jesus. I pray that you will lead us, that we will just stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Lord, I pray that you will minister to each heart, speak to each heart, open each heart. Let there be the hearing of faith today, and grant, Lord, that utterance to me that I may speak the mystery of the gospel, and that the name of our Lord Jesus will be magnified. So come and be our helper now, Lord. Stand in our midst to bless us. In our Savior's name we pray. Right, we're coming back to Exodus 25, to that whole passage we read about the candlestick. And today we come to what is known as the Jewish menorah, the candlestick with seven lights. Now, this is given full prominence, not only here in uh, the whole record of the tabernacle in the Bible, but throughout history, the Jewish menorah has been a, a symbol that's really, you can't miss the symbolization. You can't miss the message. When, if you were to go to Rome today, and in the south side of Rome, there is this great historic arch that was erected in, to commemorate the victory of Titus. Titus was the Roman general who invaded Israel and besieged the city of Jerusalem, sacked the city, and there is this engraving on this arch outside the city of Rome depicting the Roman soldiers as victors carrying the Jewish menorah or the lampstand uh, out of Jerusalem and bringing it back to Rome as their token of victory and of subduing the whole nation of Israel. This menorah has always been the symbol of Jews in their dispersion around the world. Wherever they have gone in the world, this figure, this symbol of the lampstand has been central and foremost. At Hanukkah, you will see in Jewish homes, uh, in the windows, this, this lampstand or uh, lamps with seven lights, and it therefore is so important. Now today, this menorah will be our teacher. It will teach us a whole series of great truths and wonders of the gospel. You will see the pattern of it as we get introduced. Now, I want us to just inspect its main features. We learned here that it's made of pure gold. There's no other material. There's no mixture. There's no uh, special ingredients. It's just pure gold. If you look at verse 39 in the reading of uh, chapter uh, Exodus 25, verse 39, you, you will see that it was one talent of pure gold. Uh, 
but it was made of one lump of gold. And then it was beaten, and the goldsmith, the workman, he had to take the hammer and beat out the perfect shape, symmetrical of the, the shaft in the middle, with the three branches going out from each side, beautifully decorated with almonds and bowls and knobs, which really are just little decorative badges that were on this, and then the, the, the footing that would uh, give it, uh, that it would stand on its own and self-support. This was a masterpiece. I think it would defy, defy any workman today to produce the like of it from one solid lump of gold. There were no joints, no welds, no various parts that were assembled and put together. It was beaten out or hammered by the workman from one solid talent of gold. It was undoubtedly a masterpiece. Now, no doubt gold is somewhat pliable as a metal. It would be easier to work with than some other harder metals. Nevertheless, it doesn't take away from the skill that is demanded. Now, the special message of this, that God insisted, and you'll notice at the, at the verse 40, God insisted on his pattern. He said, and look that I make them after their pattern. God gave the blueprint, the pattern for this lampstand, this Jewish menorah. What's the message? Why did God insist? that it be made exactly this way. Because God was going to give to his church for all time a symbol of the union that is between believers in Christ, Christians, and the Lord Jesus himself. This shaft that went up the middle of the lampstand is the Lord Jesus himself. We are the branches and there were six branches. Six is the number of man. When it became seven, with each one of those branches united to the shaft, united to the Lord Jesus, it's perfect, complete. And that's the message of the gospel to our hearts today. You and I as believers in the Lord Jesus are made complete through our union with the Lord Jesus. If you're joined to him by faith, by grace, by the gospel, by the spirit dwelling in your heart, if you're joined to him, you are complete in Christ. That's why we sang that hymn, by the way, complete in him. And the only way that any sinner can be made right with God and made therefore complete in God's sight is by this spiritual union with the Lord Jesus. I want us to take that theme of union, which is so important. It's the core of the gospel. If you don't understand the believer's union with Christ, you really have a very weak, shallow understanding of the gospel. Because this really is its power and its uh, bedrock. So we're going to take the theme of union. We're going to look at this candlestick in its various parts. And we're going to learn the, the glory 
of being united to the Lord Jesus by faith. Now, our union with Christ is seen in the production of this candlestick. Now, I've already described, and I thought it was necessary by introduction, to give you a picture of this menorah. Now, you have it in the bulletin there. Uh, it's not a picture of the original one. That original candlestick is no more. But we have sufficient information to know what this looked like. And if we just stick to the Bible and follow the very pattern and the parts of this, we get a very wonderful picture. In verse 31, you'll notice it says that it was of beaten work. Beaten work. It refers to the shaft, to the branches, to the bowls, and then the, the, the knops, the flowers, and some of them were like almonds. Some have drawn from that that the almond is a picture of the risen Christ because the almond tree is one of the first to bloom in the springtime. It's a bit like our magnolia. Magnolias, well, they can start uh, budding and flowering end of February around here. And it's one of the first. And some commentators, they take from this almond that therefore it is a picture of the risen resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, I like to be careful in my interpretation of such details. I'm not going to say that couldn't be, but I'm certainly not going to build some vast scheme of doctrine on a point, you know, a, an almond uh, picture of a candlestick on a Jewish menorah. I'm going to be more careful with my interpretation, and I can enjoy that thought, but I'll build it upon truths found throughout the Bible. But it is true that every item and ornamentation was all the substance of the one block of gold. No joints, no welds, no parts that were joined to it. All came out of that one block of solid gold. And in the production of this candlestick is this picture of union. We are united to Christ. We were one with him from all eternity. You understand the Bible's statements about election. God chose us from before the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve, before our father and mother, before we were ever born, God had his church in mind. And he had this eternal picture of the church, Christ and his people. And they must go together in the mind of God. When God thinks of church, he sees his son and he sees the bride. He sees the branches, the church, in its fullness. Because when God thinks of his, the glorious church that he will bring into heaven, he thinks of his son in union with his people. Christ is the head. He's the shaft. He is uh, the one. Now, this truth of eternal union with Christ and, and, and God always seeing us united to the Lord Jesus, it really becomes the secret of the Christian life. It's the genius of the Christian life. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Where do you get the power to live the Christian life? Where do you get the strength? united to the Lord Jesus. 
we can do all things. In Christ, we have this standing in grace. And just as those branches were held up by the, the shaft and the, uh, and the uh, pedestal that, that stood on its own, every branch was held up because it was united to this candlestick. What is it that holds you up every day? What is it that keeps you uh, as a Christian each and every day living in the joy and power of the Lord? It's your standing in Christ Jesus. It's your standing in grace. You're united to him. It's our assurance that we're accepted in Christ, this whole picture of union with him. We are accepted. What does the Bible say? Accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1.3, famous text, accepted in the beloved. These branches, they were all part of the candlestick. They were always part because they came out of this solid lump of gold. And when they were hammered out and beaten into symmetrical shape into a candlestick, they were accepted, joined to the shaft. They were a part of it, always were and always will be. And this gives great assurance to the Christian as you picture yourself in union with the Lord Jesus. So I'm saved not by my works. Not even as a Christian. I'm not even saved by my works since the day I got saved. And you know, this is liberating. This sets us free from the treadmill of a works-based Christianity. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in keeping the Ten Commandments. I believe in being holy. I believe that we should strive for Christ-likeness and godliness. But once you say that your relation to God is based upon how you perform as a Christian, you're in trouble. You're in immediate trouble. You are on a, on a, a pedestal that you may fall off. But once you see yourself as united to the Lord Jesus, and you can never be separated from him, then it's no longer a works-driven motivation. It is now because of grace I live the Christian life. I do what I do because of grace. I am what I am uh, by grace. And it's all because of my union to the Lord Jesus. It's in the Lord. Now, this is a very important doctrine in sanctification and holy living and Christ-like living. Because when I read the New Testament, I find that when Paul the Apostle or the Epistles or writers, they, they want to motivate people to do something for God, they say it this way, in the Lord or unto the Lord. Like Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord. How can you obey? In the Lord. Wives, submit to your, yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. How can you live in your marriage, in your home? This is very practical stuff, by the way. I'm not just digging out some great theological theory that's a way over the head of where you're at as a Christian. This will affect your marriage. It'll affect your home life. It'll affect how you relate with other Christians. How do you obey the commands of the gospel? You do it as in the Lord, because you're united to him. That's the motivation. It's not because you'll get brownie points and uh, you will be favored and so on, if, 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 if. No, 
you are commanded to live the Christian life obediently, to do the will of God, uh, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, because you're united to him. And when you're saved and brought into complete union with Christ, you're joined to him. You're united to him. Now, I hope you can see the power of this symbol of the menorah. I hope you can see in the formation of it, in its production, uh, that ye are complete in him. Now, you might have a problem with Old Testament symbols versus New Testament doctrine. Let me turn you to Colossians 2, verse 10. Colossians 2 and verse 10. Here uh, really is the same doctrine, and it's applied in real Christian living, or it's intended to be of help to the New Testament Christian. Um, Well, let's read verse 9 as well. Colossians 2 verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's the shaft. There's the Lord Jesus. Now, and ye are complete in him. You're complete in him. By union with the Lord Jesus, you're made complete. Now, we got that way back in Exodus. We see it here in the New Testament. This is, this really is Christianity, a definition of Christianity. I am what I am by union with the Lord Jesus. I'm a branch in the vine. I am a branch in this candlestick. Christ is the fullness of God. And I'm united to him. That is now my life. That's how I shine. That's how I do what I do as a Christian. Now, this is application to the individual Christian. And you may have things to face this week which are beyond human strength. But as a Christian, you can. Because you're not alone. When the Lord Jesus said that he will never leave nor forsake us, it really is true. He can't forsake us. We're always united to him. And whatever we have to face, whatever issues it is, whatever difficulties, we're never alone. The Lord will not leave us alone. When it comes to our church life, we can be a church in this community, in this city, to let the light shine by our union to Christ. And it is his fullness shining through us that makes us a living church, that union with him. How wonderful, how liberating. It's not because we are free Presbyterians, it's not because we have some handle of the truth or some special gifts or some special abilities. No, we deny all of that. It is because of Christ and his fullness. And as we draw from him and live in union with him and serve as the church in union with him, that we become a light to those in darkness.
This you broadcast be- comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.